0: Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I always find it fascinating that, that, like every liturgy, there is a collection of readings from various parts of of the New Testament, sometimes the Old Testament. They come together. What fascinates me is that there's always a common thread and a common theme between all the readings. Like, it's not just, it's not like somebody back in the day said, okay, let's close our eyes, and yeah, this sounds like a good reading. Let's add this for the second Sunday of Lent. No, it's, it's not random. Like, it's so beautifully put together for there to be a common theme, a common meal, and how all the readings complement each other to point to our divine meal of the liturgy of the word. They all come together. And I always find that so fascinating. It's not just random things. They all come together so strategically. And and, and our church fathers were so strategic and intentional about how the readings all complement each other in order for us to walk away with a divine meal. Like it's not we're just it's not like we're just ran we're not here as consumers we're not here as bystanders we're here to partake we're here to partake of his word which is food and we're also partake of of his body and his blood which is food so there's two meals but I love how the church strategically and intentionally wanted us to partake of him through the through the readings and they're all beautifully put together for a central theme so today some people would call it as temptation Sunday temptation Sunday where we see Jesus. Having a major conflict and a dialogue with the devil. Actually, it's not a, a dialogue because Jesus didn't entertain a conversation back and forth. He had a great answer response every time he was tempted. But before, like when I, when I started reading the liturgy of the word readings and I was preparing, and I understood, I knew, I knew the theme at the end. I knew the gospel is about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. But if we go back to the, the, the very first reading from, from the liturgy of the word today, which is the Pauline epistle, this is a super trivia question. I'll give you extra rebana if you know. Where did, t- where did the, the Pauline epistle come from today? First of all, who wrote today's Pauline epistle? Very good. Okay, it, that's, you'll, you'll never go wrong with that answer, so good job, Mark. The, the, um, where is it from? Uh, this is difficult. Anybody caught that? Okay, so St. Paul's writing to, to the city of Rome. So he, he says this in today's Pauline epistle. This is, the opening, this is the opening verse of today's liturgy of the word. First verse. Let us pursue the things which make for peace. Let us pursue the things which make for peace. And the things by which one may edify another. So what is St. Paul saying? His opening passage from today's Pauline Epistle. He's saying, let us pursue the things that, 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 that make us whole. What is peace? The word peace, if you look in Hebrew, it's shalom or salam. The, the, the origin, the etymology of the word shalom means wholeness. He's saying, so let us pursue the things which make us whole. Let us pursue the things which make us whole. We desire to be made whole. We desire peace. To us, peace is not just a superficial word that I have temporary peace. That, you know, my show is on tonight. I have peace. Or my kids, you know, did good in their class. I have peace. It's not that temporary peace. Wholeness is, I mean, let's face it. We're all off. Either through stress, grief, pain, hardship. We're off. We're off balance. We desire to be made whole. This is our pursuit. This is our struggle. As followers of Jesus, if he is the epitome of wholeness, we desire that, right? Don't we say, "O king of peace, grant us your peace. In other words, "O king of wholeness, who is whole, make us whole, establish us in your wholeness for us to be whole in you. Don't we partake of him who is whole? We come to partake of him. So we're saying, let us pursue the things which make us whole and the things which edify us and one another. Let us be made whole and let us edify ourselves and each other. In the spiritual hospital of us pursuing Jesus together. Let us edify one another. Let us convict one another. Let us push one another. Let us cheer one another. I'm so proud of so many of you that are doing the Bible uh, Lent challenge. We're challenging each other. I, fe- I feel inspired. I feel motivated when I see other people, you know, you know r- r- doing their reading for the day. It pushes me. This is how we edify one another, by us attending a life group and us engaging in those deep conversations. We're edifying one another. So St. Paul is making clear. Peace and edify one another. If you and I desire to be made whole, what is throwing us off from not being whole? Like, if we all desire to be made whole. If I ask you, do you want peace? Everyone say, yes, we want peace. What is preventing us from being made whole? What is preventing us from pursuing this divine peace? Your answer, my answer, would be the devil, right? Like you, we, we, in elementary school and Sunday school, you always say either the answer is going to be Jesus or always, the answer is always going to be the devil. And you always take a 50-50 chance on shooting out one of those answers, the devil or Jesus. Two very different things, but somehow most questions come to those two answers. But now as we continue to mature spiritually, I want us to understand who the devil is. I want us to understand how darkness works in our life. Before we go any further, the word devil, in Greek would be diabolos. Diabolos. And now, like what I love is when we say a word, question the word. What is the true essence of this word? When someone asks you a question, question the question. Like I love when people ask me, Do you, does God want me to be happy? Okay, time out. Describe happiness. Do we believe in evolution? Okay, time out. Describe evolution. Ask the question to the question. Because there has to be, we, we need to understand, do we have the same definition to a word? Like, you, uh, shouldn't we love one another? Yes. Describe w- what love is. So we need to add, make sure we have clear understanding of definitions to terms. So if I look at the root word of the word diabolos, or the devil, I want, now I'm going to give you a full comprehensive definition to the word devil. Diablos. is someone who slanders, accuses, or defames you and me. The, the devil unjustly criticizes or hurts me. Diabolos is someone to condemn or sever a relationship. To condemn or sever a relationship. The secular Greek word for Diabolos means someone who is a backbiter. Someone who, who bites you from the back. This is the devil. To make charges that bring down or destroy. The devil makes charges to bring us down and to destroy us. If we are wanting to be made whole, and there are things that drift us away from pursuing wholeness, from pursuing peace... Let us not go back to elementary terms and say, yes, the devil made me do that, or the devil is the one that's taking away my peace. Let us understand the first century view of the devil. How did the early Christians view the work of Satan? I want us now, I want to point out just two, there's tons of verses, but I want to point out two, how the early church understood how the devil works. First one I want to point is the first eyewitness of Jesus, both of them, St. Peter and St. John. But this is St. John, the first eyewitness of Jesus. This is how he described the devil. We know that we are from God. He understood. We are divine spiritual beings. We are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Isn't that such a bold statement to say? We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power. You, would th- you and I would probably guess God. The whole world lies in the power of God. No, but St. John's saying, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of Satan trying to drift you and me away from being whole. That's such a bold statement. I promise you, if I cut off, I probably should have done that. Cut off that verse and I just said, guess what the ending of it? The whole world lies in the power. You and I would not guess the evil one. St. John makes it extremely clear. The power, the whole world lies in the power of darkness. St. Peter, another first eyewitness. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Be attentive. Be attentive. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I would love to ask St. Peter, why on earth did you give the analogy of a lion? Have you seen a lion, how it, how it crawls under the, 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 the high grass to hide, and is about to pounce on us? Why do you use that analogy to describe the devil? For many of us, we still have an elementary view of Satan. Thinking he's the guy on the right of our shoulder with the stick and the, and, the fi- and the whatever, the things on his head. This is our view of how we think the devil works. The, 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 devil, the devil's smarter than that. The devil is not to, to come in this way. Or we think, I don't have to worry about the uh, devil. I'm, it's not like I'm demon-possessed. Or you know, I, you know, we, we have this like, elementary view of thinking how the devil works. But it's clear. It's clear how the early church understood how Satan works. Why on earth? Okay, great. The Satan is sneaky. He's, he's crafty. He is whatever. Okay, fabulous. What did that, like, okay, great. Now I know he's bad. No, Now what? Be wise of knowing who the opponent is. Be wise of knowing who the opponent is. For those who are into sports. Before somebody, like right now we're in March Madness, for those who, who care about college basketball. A team doesn't go to the, to the game without knowing who the other opponent is. Like Georgia Tech played yesterday, they lost. Georgia Tech didn't go on, on the court and say, oh cool, we're in March Madness, I can't wait to play basketball. They didn't do that. When I go play, I probably s- say that. But when, when, you're pl- when you play, for, for, uh, this is, uh, this, uh, I mean just call it sports, but it, when, when it's a serious thing, you, you go in, you have a strategy, but only, the way you can win the game is you have to know who the opponent is. You have to know where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses. For Georgia Tech to play, I can't remember who they played yesterday, but they, they understood, okay, how their three-point game is. Who's the star player? Who can really control the paint? Who's really good at, at the corner threes? They understood the opponent. They understood how they play. They understood their strategy. This is for all sports. No professional athlete goes in Just saying, yes, I can't wait, it's the Super Bowl, I'm excited to play football. No, they study for weeks and months of knowing how the opponent works in order for them to reach victory. (laughs) Bugs and termites in our house, right? I'm a cheapskate, so I tried to do it myself. I said, I'm not paying a company to do termite care for my house. And that's a big uh, conflict between my wife and I. But I said, I'm not paying, I'm going to do it. So I Google, how do I, what do I need to order. So I order Amazon some like, you know, poison stuff that I spray around the house. But I had to do a lot of research. I had to study what type of poison do I need to order to, 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 to fight this type of bug in the winter and this type of bug in the summer and to prevent termites, so forth and so on. So I had to do all this research in order for me to, to, to I have to be wise on knowing who my opponent is, there's a certain bug this time of the, uh, this time of the year. There's a certain bug during this time of the... Year. So I have to be wise of knowing who the opponent is and know how to attack. We apply this to every other aspect of our life. We have to be wise of knowing who the opponent is. Out of anything, Jesus could have told us to pray. Out of anything, Jesus could have told us to pray. He says, you call God Father. And he continued on with giving them the Lord's Prayer. And he says to add this to the prayer, to this model template prayer. Jesus says, say, lead us not into temptation." Jesus could have told us to pray anything. But in a 30-second prayer, Jesus decides to make it clear to us to pray, lead us not into temptation. I know my prayers. If you look at your prayers, there's a good chance many of us don't pray. Genuinely, lead me away from drifting, away from wholeness. Lead me away from being under the power of the wicked one. Lead me away from the, 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 the pounce of the roaring lion that's wanting to devour me. That's not our prayer. I'll speak for myself. That's not my prayer. My prayer is wanting this, wanting that, so forth and so on. Do we genuinely pray? Or is this our Father's Lead me not into temptation. As if Jesus is making clear, temptation is always going to be there around us to drown us, to suffocate us. But do we genuinely pray, lead me away from darkness? If I kind of expand what Jesus is saying, Jesus is admitting that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. But lead me away from that. Lead me away from temptation. This is where I will lead to pain and regret in my life. If I am captive by the roaring lion, if I am pounced on, by the roaring lion, if I take the words of St. Peter. We love to fool ourselves. I've mentioned this before. We are creative people. We are super creative. We are actually crafty. We're very crafty people. We love to justify ourselves. Again, we're very smart. We say things like, well, I wouldn't have done that if, if, if if she didn't do this, or he didn't do that. I wouldn't have done that if she didn't do this. Do you see how she, she, how she respects me, or disrespects me? If she wasn't like that, then I wouldn't have done this. Well, if he was home more, then I wouldn't have done that. We like to justify, we're crafty. Or we say, well, no, no, one, no one really gets me. Yeah, maybe that applies to other people, but that doesn't apply to me, I'm different, right? do no, we're crafty. We say, yeah, maybe these guidelines, these rules apply to other people, but not to me. Well oh, if you were in my position, you would, you would do what I did. If you were in my position, you would be doing the same thing as I did. We are crafty. We are crafty. This, my friends, is how the devil works. He likes to use these comments, these statements that we end up trying to convince ourselves. Maybe, that's, maybe other people need that, but not me. Well, you wouldn't get it. You're not in my shoes. Yeah, maybe that applies for different people's scenarios, but I'm different. You wouldn't get it. You don't get me. Right? We love to say that. We love to convince ourselves. We are crafty. Look at the beauty and richness of the first century church. Look at the prayers of our church. We've prayed these words. According to your good will, O God. According to your will, O God, fill, make this personal, fill my heart with your wholeness. Fill my heart for me to be made whole. Fill my heart with your divine peace. Cleanse me from all blemish, all guile, all hypocrisy, all craftiness. Why, church, do you need to be so descriptive and long? Liturgy's long enough. Why can't you just say, cleanse me from, e- from, from the devil? Cleanse me from all bad things. Why do you have to be so fancy with your words and so descriptive? Why? What, what are all these words? Why can't we just say, cleanse me from all bad things? Or shoot the devil away from me. Amen. Like, come on. Why do we have to, why do we have to be so descriptive? What is the church trying to say? Cleanse me from all blemish. Anything that's staining me, that's beginning to drift me away. Cleanse me from all blemish. Cleanse me from all guile. What is guile? Guile is the intellectual capacity to deceive myself. I have the intellectual capacity to deceive myself. I, can have, I have intellectual capacity to deceive myself. It's okay for me to do this. I'm a priest, right? I, can do, I, can, I have the intellectual capacity to deceive myself. This is, what, this is what guile is when we say guile. Hypocrisy is when I'm torn. Maybe on I'm on one person on Sunday. I'm one person in public. I'm one person with this group of people. But this other group of people, I'm completely different. I switch a button. That's, that's hypocrisy. That I'm one person in one setting, but then I go to another. I'm a completely different person. And I end up living these two lives. This is hypocrisy. This is why we're saying, cleanse me from all blemish. This intellectual capacity that I have to be crafty, to deceive myself. Cleanse me from from being hypocritical. Cleanse me from all craftiness. Craftiness is I got the skill to deceive myself. I have the skill to deceive myself. I can convince myself that it's okay for me to do this. I can justify my actions because you don't get it. You're not in my shoes. I have every right to behave this way. If you're in my shoes, you're behaving the same as me. I have deceived myself. I'm so crafty. I've convinced myself for this to be truth. When we're praying this, the priest is holding this. Blocking, the priest is blocking his view of this, blocking his view from seeing what? The cross. When I deceive myself, when I convince myself of what I'm doing is right, I am blocking my view from seeing my purpose, from seeing my life, from seeing my love, from seeing peace, from seeing my purpose. When I deceive myself, I'm blocking myself. And I end up drifting away westward, away from his love. Because I've convinced myself, I'm so crafty, I'm smart, (laughs) you don't get me. That's good for you, that doesn't apply to me. I've deceived myself. I'm the master of deception. This is why, my friends, we pray. And what does the church do? I remove this. The priest removes this. And then we reconcile with one another. We lean on each other. Yes, maybe in a superficial way of greeting one another. But we have to fight deception. We have to lead ourselves away. Not ourselves, forgive me. That's wrong for me to say. We don't lead ourselves away from temptation. Who do we pray to, to for him to lead us away from temptation? We are weak. We are weak. But we live in a world of hyper-individuality. This is what's true to me. I, no, that doesn't apply to other people. This applies to me. You don't get it. You don't get my parents you don't get my upbringing you don't get what happened to me we deceive ourselves we deceive ourselves another prayer that we'll pray this morning make us all make us all worthy o our master to greet one another with a holy kiss that without casting us into condemnation we may not just take, but we may partake of your immortal and heavenly gift. So we want to remove ourselves from deception and for us to partake, you, to partake of you with our weakness, with us struggling with self-deception, with our blemish. We want to remove that and to, to partake of you, this immortal and divine gift. Another prayer. Make us all worthy, our master, to partake, not to take, for us to partake of your holies. Unto the purification, unto the edification of my soul, my body, and spirit. For me to be made whole. For me to be made whole. We're not coming here for a barakah. We're not coming here for a blessing. We're not coming here and say, yes, I came to church. I'm, I'm, uh, yes, I did, my, I did my Sunday obligation. Nobody cares about that. Make us all worthy, our master, to partake of your holies. For me to be made whole. For me to be purified in, in, in soul, and body, and in spirit that we may become one, for for, me, for we to be made whole, for us to be, become whole in body and spirit. And we may have a share, an inheritance, for us to be made whole with the, the saints in this world and those saints who have come before us. For us to have a share and inheritance with all the saints who have pleased you since the beginning. Remember, O Lord, the wholeness, the peace of your one, only holy catholic and apostolic church where can we pursue wholeness is when we come and become an active member and participate in the life of the church that involves liturgical services that involves life group my friends this involves for us to read the bible together this involves for us to participate in the sacramental life of the church this is how we can pursue wholeness Not to pick and choose a la carte of the things I want to partake of. If if I do a la carte, if 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 my doctor, my physician says, okay, here, Mr. Nathaniel, here's your 10 pills you need to take for you to be made healed, for you to be made whole. I'm like, "Mm, okay, I'll take this and this, but no, no, not that. If I'm wanting to be made whole, who am I to tell the doctor what's yes or no? So if I'm wanting to find edification, if I'm wanting to find wholeness, if I'm wanting to prevent the struggle of deception, if I'm wanting to remove this, then I need to be all in into the life of the church. Why is the church? We're saying, make us whole for us to be one. And then all of a sudden we pray, pray for the peace of the one. Why? Why is What's, what's the connection of the two? Because it is the church is where I find wholeness. It is the church where I find this peace. It is the church that opens my eyes to feel convicted, to realize that I am deceiving myself. I am deceiving myself. I'm telling you, we all struggle with this, but some of us are more crafty than others. To continue to deceive myself. Maybe some of you are hearing this, wherever. You're watching the recording or you're streaming, I don't care. And you're still telling yourself, ah, well, that's good. That's a good message Father Nathaniel's giving. That applies to other people, but not to me. Some of us are more crafty than others. If we desire to be made whole, Let us know the strategy and the craftiness of the master deceptor. If we desire to be made whole, then we have to know who the opponent is. If we're wanting to be made whole, we have to know the strategy of our opponent. He is deceiving, and he begins with these small comments that somehow get into our heart, our head, and eventually will come out. You don't get it. You don't get where I'm coming from. You would do the same if you were in my position, so forth and so on. If we're wanting to be made whole, which I'm assuming you are because you are here, you are watching this. If you're wanting to be made whole, then it requires us to understand and embrace who the opponent is. The master deceptor. Let us pray this morning. Let us ask ourselves, how are we deceiving ourselves? What is blocking me from seeing the love of God in my life? How am I deceiving myself? What guile, what blemish, what craftiness, which bears death, the, the remembrance of vice bearing death. This will lead me to death. This is, not theor- this is not theory. This is science. This is reality. That the consequences of my deception will naturally unfold at some aspect of my life. If I deceive myself, it will naturally unfold to death. I'm sorry. This is the truth for you and me. But let us ask ourselves, what is preventing me from seeing life? What is preventing me from seeing wholeness? Where am I deceiving myself? What needs to be removed in order for me to see life? To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.